start my radio Lock show. Talk Radio. So I'm a. I'll call you on the phone. don't understand, do you? Hey, man, don't you realize in order for us to make this thing work, man, we've got to get rid of the pimps and the pushers and the prostitutes and then start all over again clean. Hey, look, nobody's pushing me anyway, okay? I mean, not you, not the cops, nobody, man. I mean, you want to get rid of the pushers, I'll help you. But don't send your people after me. John, can you see that we can't get rid of one without getting rid of the other? we got to come down on both of them at the same time in order for this whole thing to work for the people. Hey, look, nobody's
Hi, Salam Aleikum. And welcome once again to tonight's edition of Not So Mad Science here on the Black Hole Radio Network. Coming to you live from the city of Detroit with your host, Brother Harold Muhammad. And as always, I want to share to you because people have such a misrepresented identification of the city of Detroit. Because as I have learned over the years, as I have from my teacher, my leader, and my guide, from the most honorable Elijah Muhammad through to his number one student, my older brother, Alma Minister Louis Farrakhan, I have learned that Detroit is the mecca for Black America. Detroit, home of the originating Motown sound, has not lost its soul. It may have lost its way, but it has not lost its soul. And just because Barry Gordy took Motown to L.A. and abandoned Detroit, does not mean Detroit has lost its soul. Its soul is still here. But I want to share with you tonight, more importantly, than some of the strange news that surrounds COVID, but essentially ways we can defend ourselves against COVID. But before we get to that, I want you all to know that the brothers are going to work it out. That doesn't mean not the sisters. The brothers. So I'm going to share with you some more of Gil Scott Heron as I get prepared to share with you some more detailed information with regards to COVID and the conspiracies that surround it. Let us not forget HIV is still out there. Ebola is still out there. Other diseases are still out there. So we're going to share some information with that amongst the big three pharmaceutical companies that are making billions off of the pain and suffering of the world today. But additionally, I want to share with us some more information as to how we can prevent COVID in our lives. But let's get a little bit of Gil Scott Heron with the H2O Blues. Don't want to be involved in this, man. This here, this is this is gonna be a blues number. But first, I want to do a little bit of background on the blues and say what it is. Like there are six cardinal colors, and colors have always come to signify more than simply that particular shade, like redneck or got the blues. That's where you apply colors to something else, you know, to come up with what it is you're trying to say. So there are six cardinal colors, yellow, red, orange, green, blue, and purple. And there are 3,000 shades. And if you take these 3,000 shades and divide them by six, you'll come up with 500. Meaning there are at least 500 shades of the blues. For example, there's the I ain't got me no money blues. There is the... I ain't got me no woman blues. <clears throat> There's the I ain't got me no money and I ain't got me no woman, which is the double blues. And for years it was thought that, that black people was the only one who could get the blues, so so the blues hadn't come into no international type of fame. But lately we done had Frank Rizzo with the lie detector blues. 
We've had the United States government talking about the energy crisis blues. And we're going to dedicate this next poem here to to Spearhead X. The X second in command in terms of this country. And the poem is called H2O G-A-T-E Blues. And if H2O is still water and G-A-T-E is still gate, what we're getting ready to deal on is the Watergate Blues. Let me see if I can dial this number right quick. Click. Click. I'm sorry. The government you have elected is inoperative. Click. Inoperative. Just how blind will America be? The world is on the edge of its seat, defeat on the horizon. Very surprising that we all could see the plot and still could not. Let me do that part again. Just how blind will America be? The world is on the edge of its seat, defeat on the horizon. Very surprising that we all could see the plot and claimed that we could not. Just how blind, America? Just as Vietnam exploded in the rice, snap, crackle, and pop could not stop people determined to be free. Just how blind will America be? Vietnam defeat sent Republican donkeys scurrying down on Wall Street. And when the roll was called, it was Pepsi-Cola and Phillips 66, Boeing, Dow, and Lockheed. Ask them what they're fighting for, and they'll never mention the economics of war. Ecological warfare, above all else, destroy the land. If we can't break the Asian will, we'll bomb the dikes and starve the man. America. The international Jekyll and Hyde, the land of a thousand disguises, sneaks up on you but rarely surprises, plundering the Asian countryside in the name of Fu Manchu. Afraid of shoeless, undernourished Cambodians, while we strike big wheat bargains with Russia, our nuclear enemy, just how blind, America. But tell me, who was around where Hellbog died? And what was the cause of LBJ's untimely demise? And what really happened to J. Edgar Hoover? The king is proud of Patrick Gray, while America's faith is drowning beneath that cesspool, Watergate. How long will the citizens sit and wait? It's looking like Europe in 38. Did they move to stop Hitler before it was too late? How long, America, before the consequences of keeping the school system segregated, allowing the press to be intimidated, watching the price of everything soar, and hearing complaints because the rich want more? It seems that Macbeth and not his lady went mad. We've let him eliminate the whole middle class. The dollar's the only thing we can't inflate while the poor go on without a new minimum wage. But what really happened to J. Edgar Hoover? The king is proud of Patrick Gray, and there are those who say America's faith is drowning beneath that cesspool, Watergate. How much more evidence do the citizens need that the election was sabotaged by trickery and greed? And if this is so, and who we got didn't win, let's do the whole goddamn election over again. The obvious key to the whole charade would be to run down all of the games they played. Remember Dita Beard and ITT, the slaughter of Attica? The CIA in Chile, knowing nothing about Allende at this time in the past, as I recollect, 
Augusta, Georgia, the nomination of Supreme Court Justice to head off the tapes, William Calley's executive interference in the image of John Wayne, Kent State, Jackson State, Southern Louisiana, hundreds of them authorized bombing raids, the chaining and gagging of Bobby Seale. Somebody tell these Maryland governors to be for real. We recall all of these events just to prove the water buggers in the Watergate wasn't no news. The thing that seems to justify all of our fears is that all this went down in the last five years. But tell me, what really happened to J. Edgar Hoover? The king is proud of Patrick Gray while America's faith is drowning beneath that cesspool, Watergate. We leave America to ponder the image of justice from its new wave of leaders. Frank Rizzo, the high school graduate mayor of Philadelphia whose ignorance is surpassed only by those who voted for him. Richard Daly, imperial Napoleonic mayor of Chicago who took over from Al Capone and continues to implement the same tactics. George Wallace, Lester Maddow, Storm Thurmond, Ronald Reagan, an almost endless list that won't be missed when at last America is purged. And the silent White House with the James brothers once in command. But see the sauerkraut mafia men Deserting the sinking White House ship and their main mindless megalomaniac Ahab. McCord has blown, Mitchell has blown, no tap on my telephone. McCord has blown, Mitchell has blown, no tap on my telephone. Haldeman, Ehrlichman, Mitchell and Dean, it follows a pattern if you dig what I mean. Haldeman, Ehrlichman, Mitchell and Dean, it follows a pattern if you dig what I mean. And what are we left with now? Bumper stickers that say free the Watergate 500 Five movies of the same name with a cast of thousands and that ominous phrase that if Nixon knew, Ag knew. But Ag didn't knew enough to stay out of jail. And what really happened to J. Edgar Hoover, the king is proud of Patrick Gray, and there are those who swear they've seen King Richard. King Richard, 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 King Richard. Beneath that cesspool, Watergate. Assalamu alaikum. We but pay attention and take note for those of us who are students of history, for those who lived through that period of time, and for those who want to see where we are and where we are headed into the future. That particular piece written by Gil Scott Herring during the 70s as prophetic about now as it was speaking to the conditions then has the game changed. The names have changed. It was no longer Tricky Dick, Mr. Slick. Richard Nixon, 
and it's now it transformed into 45. My name is Donald. I'm the Trump. Agent Orange. The names have changed. It's Penny Fauci. The names have changed. As we look at a political system in the dire rage struggle of death, a financial system truly in collapse, a social makeup of which we have all become capitulated to in the struggle to stay above water and avoid fire and brimstone and ultimately death. The names have changed, but the game is still the same. What gave Gil Scott Heron his prophetic concept and understanding was being a student of, though not a member of, that prolific and mighty teacher, the most honorable Elijah Muhammad. As they listened to and went through the struggles of the period of the 60s, to gain a social conscious where he could write a piece that is socially identifiable for them and socially prophetic of now. This is the time in which we live. Now we can't say it's Watergate. Now we can call it COVID-19, severe, acute, respiratory disorder, coronavirus, two, known as COVID-19. So let me share some more of this prophetic viewpoint can see the practices of those who are so-called legally, politically, and fiscally responsible for the health, safety, and welfare of America now. I have in front of me an article written by Robert F. Kennedy Jr. He says, America's bought, brain-dead, and blinded mainstream media is lambasting Senator Ron Johnson, a Republican from the state of Wisconsin, for his observations that Dr. Anthony Fauci of the National Institute of Health overhyped the danger of the HIV virus, misnamed AIDS, during the 1980s. Dr. Fauci created all kinds of fear, saying it could affect the entire population when it couldn't. 
Johnson said during a December 1st interview news host Brian Killamead on the Brian Killamead show. Public health is now religion with, quote, appeals to authorities, end quote, having replaced citation, scientific empiricism, and debate as the source of truth. The press treats Dr. Fauci's pronouncements with an infallibility that would make medieval popes envious. What is Mr. Kennedy telling us? Subsumed in his orthodoxy, media outlets have been complicit in Dr. Fauci's disastrous mismanagement of the pandemic with 4.2% of the world's population and America under Dr. Fauci's regime racked up 20% of the global COVID deaths. The media also covered up Dr. Fauci's historic atrocities in the same way Boston newspapers covered up the Catholic Church's pedophile scandals in the 1990s. Anyone who bothers to look at the history will find that Senator Johnson's assertions is accurate. As I chronicled in my book, Mr. Kennedy speaking, quote, the real Anthony Fauci, Bill Gates, Big Pharmaceutical, and the global war on democracy and public health, end quote, by 1983, it had become a hardwired reflex at the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, the NIAID, to exaggerate public fears of pandemic. And Dr. Fauci's first instinct as the national AIDS czar had been to stoke contagion terror. He made himself a villain among AIDS activists with a fear-mongering 1983 article in the Journal of American Medical Association warning AIDS could spread casual contact at the time. AIDS was almost exclusive to intravenous drug users and males who had sex with other males. But Dr. Fauci incorrectly warned of the possibility that routine close contact, as within a family household, can spread the disease. Given that non-sexual, non-blood-borne transmission is possible, Fauci wrote, syndrome may be enormous. 
in his, Dr. Fauci's, history of the AIDS crisis, and I quote, and the ban played on, end quote, by Randy Schultz, reported that the world's leading AIDS expert, Ari Rubenstein, was astounded at Fauci's stupidity because his statement did not reflect the contemporary scientific knowledge. The best scientific evidence suggested the infectivity of HIV even in intimate contact to be so negligible as to be incapable of sustaining a general epidemic. Nevertheless, Dr. Fauci's reflexive response was to amplify the widespread panic of dreaded pestilence that would naturally magnify his power, elevate his profile, and expand his influence. Wow. Amplifying terror of infectious disease was already an ingrained knee-jerk institutional response at the NIAID. In 1987, the Wall Street Journal won a Pulitzer Prize for its investigation of a U.S. Department of Health and Human Services scheme its writers characterized as a deliberate campaign by officials to misrepresent AIDS as a general pandemic to secure greater public funding and financial support. The flim-flam work. Terror of pestilence, it turns out, is a potent impulse, and Fauci was adept at weaponizing it. And he quickly learned that other respected authorities would follow his lead. Following Dr. Fauci's fear-mongering prophecy, Teresa Crenshaw of the president, then sitting president, AIDS Commission made the astonishing forecast that within 14 years, double the number of people then on the planet would be dying from lethal infections. AIDS continues at this rate. In 1996, there could be 1 billion people infected. Five years later, hypothetically, 10 billion. End quote. Crenshaw's desire, but I should say Crenshaw's dire sued saying never materialized. In 2007, the World Health Organization, the WHO, estimated only 33.2 million people worldwide were HIV positive. The HIV prevalence occurs based on the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC's own data show at least in the U.S., 
HIV has not spread at all since testing was first available, stubbornly remaining at the same levels relative to the population. Show broadcast Crenshaw's subsequent prognostication that by 1990, one in five heterosexuals may be dead of AIDS. Thankfully, this prognosis was also hyperbole, hyperbolic. The flim flam, according to CDC data. About one in 250 Americans test HIV positive. Outside the risk groups, this number drops to one in 5,000. About one one thousandth of Crenshaw's Bozeman. The hysteria following Fauci's dystopian predictions prompted Der Spiegel, a German publication, to warn AIDS infection would entirely exterminate the German population by 1992. The following year, in 1985, the magazine Bilder Wiesenschaft, also another German publication, also forecast a prompt extinction of the Teutonic race. A slightly less exuberant 1986 prophecy by Newsweek magazine had 5 to 10 million Americans lethally, lethally infected by 1991. Newsweek's augering was off by 10 times that amount. U.S. authorities have since identified only 1 million HIV infections. Dr. Fauci's embellishment quickly made HIV positive, the modern equivalent of lepers. Paranoia of AIDS from non-sexual contact persisted for years. In the city of New York in 1985, for instance, 85% of school children at one public elementary school stayed home during opening week, while hundreds of parents demanded the school system bar any HIV-positive children from attending classes. Then sitting president, the Reagan administration made it unlawful for persons with AIDS to enter the United States. The Cuban government quarantined AIDS victims in modern leper colonies. AIDS Act charged Dr. Fauci with causing the irrational, punitive response that followed his hysterical statements. Do you not see this happening again with the media hype and over vocal flappization 
with respect to COVID-19? A year later, growing fervor over his assertions forced Dr. Fauci to acknowledge that health officials had never detected a case of the disease spread through casual contact. It's beyond dispute that among America's 100 U.S. senators from both political parties, only one, Ron Johnston of all people, has had the courage to stand up for Americans suffering vaccine injury against bullying pharmaceutical companies. That record has made Johnson a dangerous heretic to the high priests of the medical cartels and its media acolytes. Heretic needs to be burned. This is not so mad science, and I'm your host, Brother Harold Muhammad, here on the Black Hole Radio Network. Now that I've shared some validating and factual commentary with respect to the media hype, let's get into some of these things that we can do to curtail, forestall, and stop when exposed to COVID-19 and help boost the immune system. And what if you are deemed COVID positive? what you can do to put yourself back on a healthy track. In previous weeks, we talked about in detail vitamin D. Now, tonight, we're going to jump into vitamin C, what it is and what it does. Vitamin C is referred to as ascorbic acid. It is a water-soluble nutrient found in some foods. Water-soluble vitamins dissolve in water and are easily absorbed through the intestines into the bloodstream and then sent to other places in the body where they are needed. Now, I'm going based on my reference material acquired over the years when I was in college. After the body uses the amount of water-soluble vitamins it needs, it eliminates any excess through urination. Since excess water-soluble vitamins are extra-urination, regular consumption is necessary to avoid deficiency. What does that mean? You can't overtake it. But if your body doesn't have enough of it, you can't eat more than what your body actually needs. We have already proven that the USDA's recommended dietary intake daily of vitamin D, vitamin E, vitamin K, potassium, calcium, and other things is way off. We need to overdo what we need typically in order for our body to reach a state of homeostasis balance where it will excrete what it does not need. 
Thus, vitamin C is an antioxidant, which means it protects cells from damage caused by what is known as free radicals. Free radicals are compounds formed when the body converts the food that it's eaten to energy. Free radicals are molecules in the body that are unstable. And in their attempt to stabilize themselves, free radicals can cause harm to the body. Free radicals can lead to cell damage and are linked to diseases such as cancer, diabetes, Parkinson's. Dream high blood pressure. Diabetes is, is, whoa, boy. You don't necessarily need to be obese to be diabetic. And since we brought up and mentioned cancer, I need to share how these free radicals attribute to cancer. If you go on a diet, and this diet has you drinking all kinds of shakes and drinks, and you're not taking in the solid foods that are necessary, and you overdo with leafy vegetables, you overdo with with uh, these so-called super shakes, you strip the body of the good bacteria, the body of certain types of viral mechanisms that take place in the exchange of one nutrient to another to excretion, your, your body needs certain things. It's like lifting weights. If you don't increase the weight, you don't strengthen the muscle. So there's certain viral interactivities that the body must go through on a normal daily routine. But when you go on these extreme diets and you don't balance out certain foods properly, the body, because of these free radicals, forget or begin to attack the body in such a way where it is now identified as a cancer, colon cancer. Uh, Kidney cancer, cancer in the kidneys, cancer of the bladder. For men, you know, you you get prostate cancer. For women, fibromyalgia has a direct cause and relationship directly to dietary intake. But I'll save that conversation for another day. Let's stick with vitamin C. Antioxidants, of which vitamin C is, are substances that help destroy free radicals before they get a chance to damage your cells. Vitamin C is vital to the body's daily healing process. The human body uses vitamin C to form blood vessels, 
cartilages, muscles, and collagen in the bone. It's not just to help keep you from getting a common cold. As an important and physiological antioxidant, it has also been shown to regenerate other antioxidants laying dormant within the body, including vitamin E. Because vitamin C plays an important role in immunal function and improves the absorption of iron for those who are suffering with anemia for various reasons, and you're taking an iron supplement, vitamin C is necessary because it helps your body to absorb the iron that is necessary and needed for good platelet production in the bone structures. As an important physiological antioxidant, has also been shown, as I already stated, to regenerate or reactivate the other antioxidants in your body doing nothing. So because vitamin C has such an important role in immune function and improve the absorption of iron from plant-based foods, consumption of a diet high in it may and will help to prevent and treat COVID-19-related diseases. So regardless of the variant, you want to get high doses of vitamin C in your body. You want to get high doses of vitamin D in your body. Studies have shown directly and with immediate impact that vitamin C helps the body produce alpha interferon. You have heard me say so many times that the natural production of interferons, alpha, beta, lambda, and gamma interferons in the body are part of your innate immune system, which is your body's immediate line of defense to protect you from the intrusion of viruses and bad bacteria. These interferons help the body immediately fight against diseases. So we're going to talk about the alpha interferons because I'll start there before I go all the way through with the other one. Alpha interferons in this conversation tonight. So where do you find vitamin C? Fruits and vegetables are the best sources of vitamin C. Fruits and vegetables do not limit vitamin C to oranges and orange juice. The human body does not produce its own vitamin C as it can with vitamin D, with exposure to sun. However, most people get enough vitamin C from just a healthy diet. 
if you're able to buy and afford the best of foods that are not genetically modified organisms, GMOs, where the natural nutrient vitamins that are in the foods are extracted out, forcing you to go to a store to buy the supplement to replace what they take out of the foods. Most of us, unfortunately, eat food, which is nothing but a visual facsimile of the real food that has the vitamin nutrients extracted from it. So what you think you're getting is you're buying a filler to make you fuller, but you're not getting the nutrient requirements. So you you get fat, sloppy, and nasty looking, but you're not getting any nutrient value. So you overeat unnecessarily. Thus, obesity becomes a part of your daily routine. Because vitamin C has such a, an important role, studies have shown that the body produces the alpha interferons from a good intake of vitamin C, which boosts the immune system. Fruits and vegetables are the best source of this vitamin C. And because the body does not produce its own, we know that a good healthy diet will help you produce it. Vitamin C is in the citrus fruit family. Oranges, of course, most people know. Lemons, lime, natural grapefruits. Get away from this seedless crap. A food product and fruits and vegetables that do not have the seeds do not have the nutrients. If it doesn't have the seeds, it does not have the nutrients. Grapes, seedless grapes, throw that crap away. There's no nutritional value. It's like eating a mushroom. No nutritional value in a mushroom, even though it may taste good in fruits and foods and things and such, turned into a mushroom burger. But there's no nutritional content. Because the life-giving germ in it is in the seed. Therefore, there's no life in the fruit. But you'll also find vitamin C in berries like strawberries, blueberries, blackberries, raspberries, vegetables like tomatoes, which is actually a fruit, peppers, cabbage, Brussels sprouts. Broccoli and spinach are all excellent sources of vitamin C. A variety of foods and their vitamin C levels I'm going to give to you right now. So you can know how to get it into your body. Regular consumption of foods rich in vitamin C is the best way to get your vitamin C. Red peppers will give you about 95 milligrams of vitamin C. One cup, if you got a half cup per serving. One medium-sized orange has 70 milligrams. Kiwi, 
kiwi fruit of medium size will give you 64 milligrams. Broccoli cooked, preferably steamed, a half cup's worth is 51 milligrams of vitamin C. Freshly sliced strawberries, a half cup worth is 49 milligrams of vitamin C. So what, how much should you eat in a particular day to get your daily requirement of vitamin C? And as with all other recommendations, do your homework. Consult with your doctor to know specifically what your body needs and do not go with the generalities of what the typical person should have. That's what you do when you're traveling on the road. You go with the typical until you can get home to get to your specific needs. But right now, I can only offer the recommended daily allowance. So the recommended daily allowance for the average adult for vitamin C ranges between 15 to 75 milligrams. 75 milligrams or more for an adult female. 90 milligrams or more for an adult male. Why? Men are bigger. The muscles are denser. Okay? A pregnant woman should have any take in anywhere from 85 to 120 milligrams when they're pregnant or breastfeeding. Why? Because you need to transfer the natural movement of vitamin C into your fetus. A bowl of fresh fruit will provide vitamin C that is already bioavailable and can provide the recommended daily allowance depending on the fruit and the amount consumed. Note that in the United States, the Food and Nutritional Board at the National Academies of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine set tolerable upper intake levels for each nutrient. This nonprofit organization advises the government, universities, and other institutions on matters of science, engineering, and medicine. For vitamin C, the tolerable upper limit or intake is the maximum daily amount of vitamin C that a person could consume, actually causing adverse effects to their health. Currently, the vitamin C upper intake levels are such. Between one and three years of age, 400 milligrams. Four to eight years of age, 650 milligrams. Nine to 13 years of age, 1,200 milligrams. 14 to 18 years of age, 1,800 milligrams. And 19 years of age and older, 2,000 milligrams. Case studies done in Helsinki, Finland, and Sydney, Australia says, in that particular study, an analysis of other research studies was done to evaluate whether vitamin C affects the practical outcome. The length of stay in intensive care units, the ICU, 
and duration of mechanical ventilation. The study reviewed a total of 18 relevant controlled trials with a total of 2,004 patients. In 12 of the 18 trials evaluated, with a total of 1,766 patients, vitamin C reduced the length of stay in ICU on average by 7.8%. In six of the 18 trials, orally administered vitamin C in doses of one to three milligrams a day reduced the length of its ICU stage by 8.6%. In three trials in which patients reduced mechanical ventilation for over 24 hours, vitamin C shortened the duration of mechanical ventilation by 18.2%. What does that tell us? After reviewing the several studies, researchers found in those particular studies, in general, vitamin C can shorten the length of stay in ICU. And for those who require ventilation, vitamin C can shorten the amount of time a person is on the ventilator. In the United States, the multi-center, this study was completed to determine how vitamin C infusion impacted the severity of illness, and the mortality rates for hospital patients who were sick with acute respiratory disorders. In that study, 167 patients at seven different ICUs in U.S. hospitals were randomly assigned to either vitamin C or placebo, placebo which is nothing but sugar water with no vitamin C. Patients assigned to vitamin C were given a dose of vitamin C every six hours for 96 hours. The patient's conditions were then analyzed after 28 days. In the placebo group, the group that received no vitamin C supplementation, the mortality rate after 28 days was 46.3%. Rounded off half. In the group receiving the vitamin C supplementation, the mortality rate was reduced below 30%. This study suggests that there is a significant benefit in using vitamin C supplements to improve the mortality rate for patients who have acute respiratory disorders. Acute respiratory disorders includes COVID and other respiratory conditions. Since we know from previous programs here on Black Hole Radio, on my particular show, Not So Mad Science, we know that the common cold is an acute immune Disorder syndrome. It is AIDS. Therefore, it is directly identifiable as an immune disorder. Therefore, vitamin C 
reduces the impact of acute respiratory disorders, which are immune responses. And there were no adverse side effects from the vitamin C because what your body doesn't need is urinated out. That's in the United States study. So what's my concluding thought on this particular study? The ICU patients who received vitamin C supplements had a lower mortality rate than those who did not receive the vitamin C. This means that these very sick patients were less likely to die from the respiratory illnesses when they received vitamin C supplements while in ICU. Because the SARS-CoV-2, known as COVID-19, is a virus that attacks the respiratory system, vitamin C will benefit these patients who have this virus. But then there's also the South Korean study. In that study, researchers in Seoul, South Korea, studied the effects of vitamin C in vivo, which means they tested the effects of vitamin C using live animals. The study used two types of gulo mice, wild gulo mice that were naturally vitamin C sufficient. And altered species of the gulo mice that are unable to synthesize vitamin C the way that humans can. Before the study began, a group of the laboratory altered gulo mice, and that's two words, not one, gulo, G-U-L-O, was given vitamin C supplements. The other group of laboratory altered mice, the control group, was not given any vitamin C supplements before the study began. At the beginning of the study, all the mice were giving influenza A viruses nasally and then monitored for seven days. During that time, the control group of mice were not giving any vitamin C and were labeled as vitamin C deficient. The mice who had been given vitamin C supplements via their drinking water before the study began, began were continued to receive vitamin C supplements. At the end of one week, one week, all the vitamin C deficient mice died influenza infection. The infection, the investigation further showed that the vitamin C deficient mice had an increased viable or rather viral titter in the lungs meaning scarring, bruising, which means they only had a num high number of lung cells. They had a higher number of lung cells infected with the influenza virus in these scars. The vitamin C deficient mice also had a decreased production of interferon. In specific, 
the alpha interferon, which helps to fight off disease. On the contrary, at the end of the week, the wild mice who were naturally vitamin C sufficient, as well as the lab-altered mice who were given vitamin C supplements prior to being infected, were alive and showed an increase in alpha interferon production. So what does that tell us? Scientific researchers conclude that in vivo, in vivo, animal studies giving vitamin C supplements prior to and during viral infections caused an antiviral immune response to help the body fight against the influenza virus. This immune response occurred with the increased production of alpha interferon directly initiated by the usage of vitamin C. These alpha interferons induced by the intake of vitamin C helps boost the immune system and protect the body against disease. And this is not so mad science. And I'm your host, Brother Harold Muhammad here on the Black Hole Radio Network. I'm not done yet. I'm certainly not done yet. I want to share with you a little information about zinc. What is zinc and what it does? Zinc is a nutrient, a natural mineral found in the cells throughout the body. It is required for approximately 100 enzyme activities in the body. Zinc. It plays a role in immune function, protein synthesis, and wound healing, DNA synthesis, and cell division. Zinc is important to the body's sense of smell and taste. It supports the growth and normal function of immune cells. Deficiency in zinc can slow down the activity of the lymphocytes and the neutrophils and macrophages. These are the immune cells, the body. So where's the zinc found? Zinc is produced naturally in a variety of foods. Again, a good diet. A good, real, healthy food diet. Good food sources for zinc include beef, chicken, beans, certain types of seafood, whole grains, and certain kinds of dairy products. A variety of zinc foods and zinc and their levels you can find listed almost anywhere in any uh, nutrient food table. But you ain't got to go there and look. I'm going to tell you right now. 
And not just any beef. Grass fed. And I hate to say it, unfortunately, how beef is produced. Slaughtered, just slaughtering a cow is not going to make sure that the zinc that, that you'll get from that meat of that cow is going to be good. Because if the cow knows it's going to die, as in most commercial slaughterhouses, and they blow their brains out with a lead shot, that cow knows death is coming, and its steer hardens the muscles. So to make sure that that meat is tender, they load that meat up with all kinds of steroidal products to soften it up, to tenderize it. But cattle is killed in a particular way. In particular, I would call that the halal process. Does not put the fear in the cattle. Therefore, it does not produce the toxins in its own body to harden its muscles. It is slaughtered in a way where that does not take place. So not just any beef. Halal beef. So, how do we get the zinc into our body? Since zinc excess is not stored in the body, it must be consumed regularly, daily, to maintain good health. You can't overdo it. Because anything more than what your body actually needs, guess what? You're going to urinate it out. So this variety of food that contains zinc, poultry, seafood, red meat, vegetables, and beans. In specifics, navy beans. The small size red, white, or pink navy beans and lentils. The amount of zinc found in grains and plants is lower than the zinc found in animal foods. Additionally, dietary supplements contain several forms of zinc. Zinc gluconate, zinc sulfate, and zinc acetate. Chemically, it has not been determined whether differences exist among the forms of zinc in absorption and tolerability. Lastly, zinc can be found in some of the cold throat lozenges that are labeled as dietary supplements. So how much do we need to eat in order to get this zinc? Baked beans or navy bean soup, vegetarians, a half cup of these will give you 2.9 milligrams. Chicken, in particular, cooked, three ounces will give you 2.4 milligrams. Yogurt, dairy product, fruit, or a fruit low-fat yogurt will give you 8 ounces or 1.7 milligrams. And again, 
the U.S.'s Food and Nutrition Board at the National Academies of Sciences and Engineering and Medicine have shown that the FDA's recommended daily allowances is wrong. So the recommended daily allowance for elemental zinc is 11 milligrams a day for adults, adult males, and 9 milligrams a day for adult females. And like I said before with the other things, with vitamin D and vitamin C, consult with your particular healthcare professional and have blood work done and test for the mineral levels that should be in your particular body before beginning any form of supplementation. And take note that in the United States, the Food and Nutritional Board at the National Academy of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine set the tolerable upper limit for the intake for each nutrient. It is a nonprofit organization that advises the government, universities, and other institutions on matters of science, engineering, and medicine. For zinc, their calculations have shown the tolerable upper intake is the maximum daily amount of zinc that a person can consume without it potentially causing adverse effects to your health. Currently, the upper zinc level intake for a child zero to six months of age is four milligrams. Seven to 12 months, five milligrams. One to three years of age, seven milligrams. Four to eight years of age, 12 milligrams. Nine to 13 years of age, 23 milligrams. 14 to 18 years of age, 34 milligrams, and 19 years of age and older for an adult, 40 milligrams a day. I'm going to skip the case studies for now because we're coming to that closing point in time for tonight's program. I encourage you, brothers and sisters, please stay tuned to Not So Mad Science. I will continue to share the truth and the proof as I have been taught by my leader, teacher, and guide, the most honorable Elijah Muhammad and his number one student who guides my mind today, the honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, will bring you the truth so that you no longer have to hear the noise. This is Not So Mad Science with your host, Brother Harold Muhammad here on the Black Hole Radio Network, leaving you once again as I came before you with the prayerful hope that I have not said anything to cause you harm, but I've only shared with you that which I also have learned is best for you. Prayerfully, in the name of Allah and his exalted Christ, I greet you once again. As-salamu alaykum. I leave you as I always do with those immortal words. Keep the faith, baby. Keep the faith. Allah willing, I will be back next Tuesday on time, 6.30 p.m. As-salamu alaykum.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.